Welcome to From There to Here with your host, Miranda Dekonski. Together, we'll explore our personal journeys and how they have impacted where we are today. We hope that you'll walk away inspired, motivated, energized, and knowing that there is no right or wrong path. Each path is uniquely our own. And now your host, Miranda. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of From There to Here. I'm your host, Miranda Kotsky, and today I'm super excited to be speaking with Tanya Strauss. Tanya, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's great to, it's great to be here. Wonderful. And for those that don't know you, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are, what you do, and where, where you're from? Sure. So I'm based in San Diego, California, in Southern California, really close to the beach. Um, and I'm a director of customer success at Druva, which is a data protection um, software company. Um, yeah, I'm a mom and a wife. And, um, and yeah, <laughs> that's a little bit about me. Did you grow up in San Diego area? I didn't. I grew up in Northern California, but we've lived in San Diego. I actually lived in San Diego when I was really young. Um, until I was about four years old and, um, I was born abroad and then, uh, came back to the, came back to the United States, I guess, uh, with my family when I was really little, um, actually to not too far from where I live here in San Diego and then spent most of my life in Northern California. And we've been here for about six years. Wonderful. Do you have any memories of, um, being abroad when you were a child? No. So my father was in the Navy and I was born in Japan. Um, but we came to the United States or we came back, they came back to the United States when I was about 18 months old. So I don't have any, any memories of it, but I've heard lots of stories from my family about, um, I'm the youngest. So I've heard lots of stories from my family about being there and their life there and, um, and what it was like to have a baby abroad and, and all of that kind of stuff. That's wonderful. I'm sure that's interesting. Now, Japan is one of those areas that I really want to visit. Haven't been to yet. Um, but it's definitely on my list. Have you yep manage to go back and visit? Nope. I feel exactly the same way you do. It's like a place about lots of curiosity for me. Um, and definitely a huge priority for me to get back there, but I've never, never managed. It seems like every time we go on vacation, it's always like, you know, it just seems like too big of a trip to, uh, to squeeze into the, you know, kind of week off that it feels like you can take from work as opposed to, uh, taking a couple weeks at a time. Yeah, no, same, same. And so you're a mom. Uh, how many little ones do you have? Well, unfortunately, I don't have any little ones anymore. Uh, my youngest is 10 years old. I have a 10-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. Um, so yeah, they're pretty great. My son is actually on the autism spectrum. So that offers some kind of a, just a different perspective on how to see the world. And um, so yeah, parenthood has been quite a fun journey. So what was that like over the pandemic? I'm imagining you had to homeschool and work from home and do all of that stuff. Yeah. So um, mostly when, so when just before the pandemic started, I had joined ServiceNow and um, which is based here in San Diego. I was based here in San Diego. Um, So I worked in the office for eight business days before the pandemic really kicked off. And then um, shortly, maybe a couple of days after I started working from home, the the kids came home and um, it was tough, you know, like it was really particularly hard on my 10 year old, my now 10 year old daughter, um, being away from her teacher, being away from school. It was really, really tough on her just to kind of get into the, get into the pattern of it. Um, for me, I was used to working from home. So that part was fine. 
Um, and thankfully, the reason I mentioned ServiceNow is they were extremely supportive of families and of parents and did everything they could, including giving us um, uh, giving each employee a stipend to help out with paying for things like home office equipment. Uh, there was a variety of things we could use the stipend for, but including stuff like camps and extra online courses and stuff like that for kids. Um, if it helped people to be able to focus a little bit more at work. So it was really cool what they were able to offer just to try to be as helpful as possible. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. All of the parents that, you know, have managed to juggle, you know, double or triple duty during COVID, like you all are my heroes. Um, I was a single mom uh, for 10 years and my son is now 21 years old. So of course the pandemic of course, impacted him because, you know, I don't know how all the kids did it. Like he'd only been out of high school for, you know, six, seven months when it hit, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, how it's do you, hard. it's a hard age to be. And then to have to figure out an additional, like live through a pandemic at that age, when you're trying to figure out who do you want to be and where do you want to go to school and all of that kind of stuff. That's, that's just an extra layer of stress that I think, nobody really needs in their lives. Um, so kind of going back a little bit, when you were younger, what did you want to do when you grew up, when you grew up? I don't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I think there was always a little bit of me like in school who always just sort of assumed that at some point I'd be, um, I'd be the teacher or the head of the class somehow. <laughs> so I think that's, that's kind of what you do then, customer success, yeah, right? right? Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit like what I do now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's kind of what I what I assumed I would do. I think I sort of assumed I would do some sort of, you know, female profession as a, as a child growing up. And now I love the fact that that's not even something we really think about anymore as far as like, you know, my mom was a nurse, my dad was an accountant and like, it just seemed like those are these, these sort of traditional roles or whatever. And I'm so glad that that's not how we look at the world anymore. It's not, we've come a long ways. We still have a long way to go, but <laughs> we've definitely, we've come far. Uh, so yeah. what was the first job you ever had? First job I ever had, um, in high school, I worked at a restaurant that was called, it, unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was a super cute uh, Brazilian cafe called Chit Chat Cafe. Um, and it was sort of like the vision that they had for their restaurant was that it would sort of be like a sidewalk cafe, the sort of place where you would come and just kind of hang out, although they served really fantastic food. Um, and so I started off as the Friday night, Saturday night hostess, just sort of helping keep the restaurant flowing while people came in and um, they had live music and stuff like that. It was a really sweet kind of place. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if it was the location or, you know, whatever it was, we had some busy times, but for the most time, most of the time it was really a struggle for the owners. It was really heartbreaking because it was a really sweet little spot, as I said. Um, but yeah, that was my first job. And then, um, but I really feel like the foundation of where I sort of learned how to be a professional and sort of learned how to be in a grown-up job was um, I worked in the men's shoe department at Nordstrom, um, which was one of the most, like, like I said, like this incredibly formative experience. I learned so much there. I probably worked there for eight months, nine, 10 months, something like that. Um, but I just learned so much about, honestly, like how to manage a book of business. Like that was a really big, important part of what I was doing. And um, so, yeah, it was a really, really cool experience. 
folks don't think about this, but a lot of um, individuals that work in like Nordstrom's, they have to build like a clientele um, to keep them coming back. Uh, we had here in Pleasanton and Nordstrom, it actually closed down during the pandemic, which was a real shame. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved the level of service that you get there. It, you know, it, it just doesn't matter who you are or, or what you look like, if you're a male or a female or whatever, they'll put you in a room and they'll just, hey, what size are you? And they'll bring a bunch of stuff to for you to try on. So if you're someone like me who doesn't really care for shopping, <laughs> it was like, perfect. It's just like, plop me in a room, tell me what I should be wearing, good to go. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yep, exactly. They're really good at that. Really good at selling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, if you could do anything, any occupation other than your own, let's just say skills or money, no object, what would you do? Um, I really thought when I finished college that I was going to be a flight attendant because um, I had studied French while I was in school. And so I really thought that I would, I would you know, sort of do lots of abroad trips and that sort of thing. Um, I still feel like there's a little bit of me that would love to be a flight attendant. Um, although at this point I would love to just be, um, a beach bum. <laughs> plus one, plus one. Yeah, right. Plus one. Like just a beach explorer. Cause that's just what I love. Like when it's warm outside and I can walk along the beach and stuff. Yeah. Do you do any surfing or anything? Uh, I consider myself kind of a wannabe surfer. Like, you know, my, my son's way into it much more than I am, but, um, we've got a vacation scheduled this summer for Hawaii where we're hoping to get a little surf time in. So only the first and only place I ever surfed was in Hawaii. Um, the water is just way too cold and harsh up here in Northern California. I can't do it. And I'm terrified of sharks. Not that the sharks don't live in Hawaii, but, you know, we do have like the, what do they call it? It's like the triangle, the deadly triangle or whatever it's called. I can't remember what the moniker is, but we have a higher level of sharks in certain areas here. So in my mind, I'm like, I know that they're in there when I was in Hawaii, but the water was clear and it was warm. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> so it's like uh, you've got a fighting chance. Yeah, we've got pretty... Yeah, we've got pretty cold water here too. So um, it really turns me off to going in the water when I sort of put my feet in and it's like an ice box. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I can feel it. Absolutely. Hey, so another goal I have with this platform is just kind of normalizing the idea that we all make mistakes. Um, We make mistakes at work. We make mistakes in our professional world. I know I've made so many mistakes. I could just write a book on mistakes. Um, but also some of my greatest learnings and greatest opportunities have come from those mistakes. Are there any mistakes that you've made along the way that you think were pivotal for you in learnings or maybe comical? I don't know, whichever way you want to take it. Well, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is, um, I think the biggest mistake that I probably made was, um, I got married to the wrong person when I was 25 and uh, just, you know, it, it just, it was a terrible experience. And um, like, I'm so grateful that I made the best decision of my life by sort of building up the courage to get out of that, get out of that terrible marriage. Um, But yeah, that's probably the biggest mistake. And I learned so much about myself and about what I wanted in a partner. And, you know, obviously life has gotten a lot, much, much better since then. 
Um, but yeah, it's a pretty tough way to learn, tough and expensive way to learn really important lessons. For tough sure. and very expensive. I got married very early. Um, I was, oh gosh, was I 19, 20? Um, I can't even remember now. I'm in my you know early 40s now. I was super young. You know, I wouldn't change it for the world because my son was a product of that relationship. Um, but there should be some kind of law that you can't get married before 28 or 30. I don't know. Like we're still trying to discover ourselves, you know, figure out who we are as humans, who we want to be in the world um, and how to navigate and then to take on and, and get married at such a young age. Like it's a really tall order. I'm not saying it doesn't work sometimes because I know a ton of people, a ton of people that have got married fresh out of high school and are still together. I know a ton of people that were together in middle school from my school and they're still married to this day. <laughs> it blows my mind. Wow. Wow. Right? That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, but it's not the norm. I know probably four couples that have been together since middle school or high school and they're still together. Um, which I think is probably kind of a high rate now that I think about it and say it out loud, but totally very expensive lesson to learn. Um, so for anyone listening, wait until you know yourself. I know love feels strong and everything, but <laughs> kind of like take a step back. So that's maybe yeah. me saying this to, to my son who's who listens to my podcast. <laughs> so. <laughs> like if I can give, give some not so subliminal advice out there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally with you. I think, um, you know, waiting until 28 or 30 is, you know, it certainly doesn't cost anything to, uh, to wait and to, you know, to make sure you're really, really, really extra sure. Cause, um, it's just a really tough lesson to have to learn to go through that experience. It's a really horrible experience to have it to is. go through a divorce. It is. It really is. And kind of on that same, you know, theme, if you could give advice to your 18 year old self, what would it be? Well, um, my father died in a car accident when I was 19. Um, so I think it would probably be something about, you know, looking out for that eventuality. I, uh, I think I was pretty like most 18 year olds, I think 18 and 19, I was pretty frivolous and pretty, you know, just kind of just invincible, or at least I thought I was kind of a thing. And now I have a much stronger appreciation for the fact that, you know, life is a really fragile thing. Um, so that's probably the kind of advice I would give is that, you know, the miracle of who we all get to be is, uh, is much more fragile than it might, than it feels like. Thank you for sharing that, Tanya. That's, that's so true. It's so true. I, I wish that I, you know, I, I had a grandma in my life that was very important and pivotal in my, in who I am today. And she passed away when I was almost 14. And I think I really took it for granted that I thought she was just at that age. I just didn't grasp that life was just really fleeting, you know, not to go too, too deep, but looking back on it now, she lived, you know, she was born in 1906. So she lived through, you know, multiple wars, world, world wars. She lived through the depression. Um, she lived through so much. What I would give to just have more time to be able to ask her about, you know, all those world events and life events and how that impacted her. Um, I don't think, you know, when you're that age, though, you really think about that, you know? 
Yeah. It's, and there's so much wisdom in that too, to so much that you could learn from her and, um, and just to, you know, just to get to experience a little bit more of that love. I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on a different note, um, another question I ask my guest here is occasionally like about their biggest pet peeves. Do you have any funny pet peeves? (laughs) I have, I have a huge list just so you know. (laughs) So pet peeves. Um, I hate the sound of chewing. (laughs) Oh yes. Plus one. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a pet peeve, but I hate cucumbers and I hate goat cheese. Um, well, goat cheese, I, I hear you. Cucumbers, I like cucumbers as long as they're not pickled. I don't like pickles. So I don't mind, I actually don't mind pickles, but um, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't like buy some and eat them. But like if they're on my plate, I might, you know, I might go for it. Um, but yeah, something about cucumbers and melons and all those really watery, I guess, fruits, whatever they are. I guess they have seeds, so they're all fruits. But yeah, yuck, just not my jam. Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. Now I'm going to Google, is a cucumber a fruit after we're done here? Because <laughs> I, I, I always thought it was a vegetable. Maybe I just learned something I, new. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I, but I mean, I've always heard that things that have seeds are supposed to be fruit. So I guess, it, I guess maybe it is. But uh, either way, it's yuck. Not my thing. It's so fascinating. All right, well, last question for you. If you could have dinner with any two people, living or dead, who would they be and why? Hmm. First two people who come to mind are my dad, um, who was just a fascinating person. And like you, like I just didn't get enough time with him in my life. Um, and the second person I think of is Barack Obama, because I just, such a, such a huge spirit, such a wonderful, wonderful person, in my opinion, and such a, like, such a, a light to us. Um, with so much to learn. Um, although I probably wouldn't mind having dinner with Michelle Obama also. So. <laughs> so a lot of guests have reserved the right to save the Obamas and characterize them as one guest. Um, really? Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> so people, people tend to make up their own rules here in this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, the Obamas has been either Barack or Michelle have now been mentioned, I don't know, probably at least a dozen times on this podcast. Oh great? my gosh, that's amazing. I'm so basic. I thought I was like, <laughs> was something it's so not unique. that you're basic. It must be that I have a type of person that I bring on. That might be it. Maybe that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're pretty else, great. Anything else that you want to share? Anything that you're working on? Um, what am I working on? Um, personally, I am working on. Um, because I live so close to Southern, well, because I live in Southern California and so close to the border, one thing I'm really interested in right now and really want to start doing more of is um, really advocating for for immigrants and for for sort of helping our our migrants who are coming to this country right now. We obviously have an influx of people from Eastern Europe, and um, so I've just finished an amazing book called American Dirt about the migrant process and the mi- migrant experience. And um, so that's something that's really deeply on my mind right now is just being a bit more of a humanitarian and being somebody who's more of uh, contributing to solutions. That's something I've been thinking about a lot. I love that, Tanya. Well, thank you for doing that. And thank you for joining me. I just appreciated this conversation and getting to know you a little bit better. 
Yeah, it's great to get to know you as well. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you, Tanya. Thanks for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of From There to Here. Check back weekly for new episodes. For more conversations about this episode and more, please feel free to follow Miranda on LinkedIn. See you soon.